0: No whatever you are, whatever you're doing, stay with us as the suns gets set to shine. Here's Mary, the heard, here's the jump
1: shot. Jumps to Marley, a long three, he got him. he got it!
0: Into Booker, here's the three. Tuesday. No, in! Oliver, Sir Charles, and he flies in for a wham, bam, slam, one time! He got Hello and welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the Seven Seconds or Less podcast. This is a podcast about both the NBA generally and the Phoenix Suns specifically. I'll explain that a little later. My name is Max. If you're listening to this, you may already know me as Max MCC11 on Twitter. I'm joined by my co-host. He's all the way from Melbourne, Australia. You may know him already as the Four Point Play on Twitter. It's David Nash. How you doing, David? Good thanks Max and uh
1: really excited to, to get stuck into this.
0: We decided we'd start a podcast. We both really like the Phoenix Suns and the NBA, don't we? It was a it was a snap decision. Uh got
1: got to thank Evan for having us on the other day on his podcast uh, Locked on Suns. I'm sure you all listen to that if you're already listening to this. And uh yeah, we've we're going to jump in.
0: Yeah, so we realized that there's already a lot of, you know, NBA podcasting out there and a lot of Phoenix Suns podcasting out there. And we're we're not starting this because we think that we're better than them. We, you know, we're, we're humble guys, but we we sort of view all the podcasts as either being categorized generally as NBA podcasts. You know, things like the Low Post dunked on things that you know don't focus on the Phoenix Suns, or you know, there's also the the podcasts out there that focus exclusively on the Suns. You know, Locked On Suns, Empire of the Suns, Solar Panel, uh, just to name a few of those. And we think that we can sort of add to the conversation by having our podcast be about the NBA generally, but with a focus on the Phoenix Suns. Did I describe that right to you, David?
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty much where we're going with this. And um, yeah, enjoy a lot of Suns content already. We're just hoping to to bring something a little different.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and on that point, uh, our first three episodes are going to be a general mock draft. We're going to do a mock draft of the whole... Uh, lottery plus up to 16 for the Suns, but we're going to focus on the Suns the whole way through. So, you know, each time we, we talk about a prospect uh, for the team that drafts them, we're also going to talk about his fit with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, today's episode is going to be just one through eight. Uh, the second episode we'll do nine through 16, and then the third episode we will do the second round guys as well as draft day trades. Uh, But before we get started with one through eight, we're going to, I'm going to throw it over to David for what's going to be a recurring segment uh, on the show, David. Yeah. So
1: I'm going to try and uh, bring a little history to the, to the pod early on um, in, in every episode and, and with our, I guess, first three episodes being focused around the draft. uh, The first one's going to be, um, Definitely focused on what was the highest pick the Suns have ever had before the 2018 draft, and and that is uh, twice we've picked at number two. Um, the most famous of those, did you know, Max, was of course for Neil Walk. So Neil Walk, as we know, was the consolation prize, or, or some say the booby prize, to uh, Lou Cinder or later known as one other than. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar.
0: I've heard of him. Yeah,
1: yeah, he had a, he had a pretty good career. Uh, definitely a better career than Neil Walk. Mm-hmm. Both centers, both centers. Uh, Neil was 6'10", 220 from Ohio, and and definitely played the the five position. Um, yeah, sixty nine was the draft, and uh, he went on to play a few seasons for the Suns. Uh, the seventy two seventy three season was probably his best. It was it was a losing season with Connie Hawkins and. Uh, he averaged twenty point two points per game, twelve point four rebounds, and three point five assists. Not a bad season, really, mm, for no. you know what's known as the the bus pick for this the Suns. Um, he did lead the league in one category in that season, and that was three hundred and twenty three personal fouls. Uh, oh wow! Have, average of four per game. So he didn't last much. Did too, Kareem Abdul
0: too... Jabbar ever lead the
1: league in personal fouls? I think not. <laughs> exactly, Neil's got that on him forever. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so he went to the uh, New Orleans Jazz. Shout out the New Orleans Jazz. Let's hope one day they uh. I miss that. That that, name is so good. It really is. Um, And then uh, he finished his career with the New York Knicks. Um, I found a great quote from Neil, which I think was uh, said much later in his life rather than in his playing career, and that was: uh, "I never paid attention to that bullshit. How many guys would love to be the second overall pick?" And I just thought that was a great quote um, when we're looking at, uh, you know, the Doncic aiton comparisons and debate at the moment. Uh, this guy was just really damn happy to be second overall and, and didn't care that uh, yeah one Kareem went before him.
0: Yeah, I don't blame him. If, uh, if I were picked number two in the draft, I'd be pretty happy too. I think. In fact, any, any NBA teams out there that I might be listening, feel free to put me on your board. I'd, I'd happily go to your team at number two. I'm sure you'd be a better pick than Anthony Bennett at one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that,
1: actually. I might be like, the only person to be worse. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just yeah. finishing up on Neil. Uh, in 1990, so much later on in his career, he actually uh, received an accolade from the White House, uh, U.S. President oh. George H.W. Bush. Uh, it was an athlete of the year. Can you uh, think it maybe at 1990 how the hell he received
0: an athlete of the year award uh did i forget about some sort of thing where every other athlete went on strike or what happened
1: (laughs) he definitely didn't roll out as a as an old man in the nba in the 90s that's for sure uh he was the wheelchair athlete of the year uh in 1990 and that was because he had surgery uh i believe it was from a terminal disease maybe um yeah, I, I probably should know that, but uh, he ended up in a wheelchair and, and started playing wheelchair basketball. Wow! Um, yeah, so it was a, a cool little uh, footnote to his athletic career, um, and then he uh, eventually passed away. Actually, just a few years ago, in in 2015, uh, at, at the age of 67. So,
0: well, shout yeah. out Neil Walk. I'm not. I'm going to try to avoid the obvious joke about you know Neil Walk and being the wheelchair athlete who won the award, but. Yeah, let's not go there. Okay, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, in honor of the segment, uh, the Neil Walk segment, let's do a coin flip to decide who's going to select first in our mock draft one through eight. Uh, do you know, do you happen to know, by the way, did the Suns uh, choose heads or tails in the? In yeah, the so the Suns, up? the Suns got to make
1: the call, and uh, I believe they picked heads, Max. So oh, did they? Uh, I'm gonna
0: give this to you. Uh
1: you you've got the pick and 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 winner gets to take number one in our mock.
0: Okay. Uh I'm gonna go with tails. I'm gonna to try to avoid what happened to them.
1: Okay. Let's see if it's uh lucky for you. Tails it is.
0: Hey, how about that? I exercised go. the number the one of, pick the, the demons of sun's past.
1: <laughs> Which we already uh managed to do as a collective by uh you know, keeping that number one pick in the 18 draft. So yes, um, we did well done. You, uh, you have, you have the honor of, I believe more than likely taking Luka Doncic.
0: So I know McDonough has said that we're going to consider multiple guys here. I think he mentioned specifically Michael Porter, Jr. uh, Bamba and Bagley.
1: That's what I read. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I don't buy it. I think it's, it's coming down to Aitner Doncic. Um, there's a, there's a strong case you made for Aiton. I, I've been tweeting about this a lot lately. Aiton's really gone way up my board because I, I'm trying very hard to do what U of A fans tell me to do and and take him out of that U of A system and not, and not punish him too much for how bad he's looked there and think about him more in an NBA defense. I, I see the tools. I see the quickness. I see the athleticism. I really think that dude can get out the perimeter and defend if he if he has the mental capacity for it. I mean, the dude, he is a freak at seven one. He is so quick. He moves so well laterally for a guy his size. If that guy could actually get out and stay on the perimeter, and and, and track NBA guards and wings around, I mean, that'd be invaluable, right? Because you you'd be able to stay with a seven foot one guy in, in in a modern in a modern pace and space game. I, I can't imagine more of a match advantage than that. You, you'd be able to punish people.
1: I totally agree, and uh, I've done a little bit the same. Kind of, you know, trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and, and really look into it. Um, I think a lot of it is scheme based. A lot of it's coaching based. Yep. Um, I had a, a, a good chat to um, uh, a Twitter Twitter friend, new Twitter friend the other day. Uh, U of A fan who uh, you know essentially took me through a lot of that stuff that I was already thinking. Um, oh
0: yeah, it's about Johnny, right? Yeah, Johnny's full name, guy. his whole Twitter name. But yeah, I like him a lot. Uh he's smart. He uh, is. And you know, he's
1: he's clearly watched a lot of U of A basketball a lot more yep. than I have. Um and yeah, I just asked him a couple of questions around scheme and and coaching and things that I thought were maybe um, you know, negatives towards how Aiton looked in the college season. And um, you know, I, I would say if anything, he kind of confirmed both good and bad for me. Um And, you know, I'm not really convinced that Aiton's going to be able to get out there and and play in a switchy defense. Mm. Um, I'm probably more convinced, um, you know, I I posted in my giant Igor thread uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, his kind of preferred pick and roll defense. Um, And I was really worried about Aiton even, you know, being able to play in that defense. And that's where I've kind of, you know, really improved my um, Aiton's prospects as an NBA center. Um, from, in my opinion,
0: yeah. And so let's see, let's get to the offense just a little bit. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drill too much in Aiton because uh, I'm not gonna pick him number one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I I do want to talk to you a little bit of the offense. So kind of going into that the point I was making earlier about him possibly being able to stay on the floor. Do you do you think? It, so one of the one of the points I've made I've heard made against Aiton is that the post offense isn't. Going to be as valuable in the NBA as it is in uh, college because you know you need an elite offensive skill in the NBA in the in the pace and space game. You need to be able to uh, shoot, pass, or, um, or or you know handle the ball really well at your size. And Ayton really hasn't shown that he can do those things. But if, if he's able to stay on the floor against small lineups, does, doesn't that kind of neutralize that problem? Because he, his post offense will be will be much more dominant against you know six foot eight, six foot nine guys.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, if they can keep him out there, there's not too many guys um that that would match up, you know, awfully well to him. I think you know, on one hand you're right, there's not going to be a lot of low post offense run through him in the NBA. Um, you know, not from my opinion anyway, uh, unless they, you know, completely change the way that you know both Phoenix and most NBA teams are playing right now, but um, you know he can pass over the top, and he can probably pass over the top of a lot of NBA centers, uh, right. a lot of NBA starting centers. So um, you know he, if he can stay on the floor defensively, then that it's going to open up you know a, a massive amount of things. And you know I kind of mentioned on the the pod we did previously with Evan on on Locked On Suns, you know mentioned the word gravity with Aiton, which is kind of the biggest thing that stands out
0: for me. Yep. I agree. So I, I I sort of wanted to lead with Aiton with all that because I, I want to make the point that be, I'm taking Doncic not because I don't like Aiton I'm taking Doncic because I love Doncic. Uh, I've been following the kid for two years. I, I think he's actually a ba- basketball prodigy. It's it's just incredible the way that guy runs the pick and roll at his age. He is so far beyond his years. And X size. And size. Yeah, he's six foot eight, six foot nine. I've heard both. You know, 230. McDonough called him a big boy. He is a big boy. Uh, I love that quote from isn't it great?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> The wonder boy is a big boy. Um, the, And the dude, on defense... One thing I think I've heard people who don't like Doncic come back with on him a lot is, hey, his defense is just as bad as DeAndre Ayton's. I don't even think that's true. His defensive metrics in Europe are awesome. I, yeah, I, the dude's I think, so smart. I think
1: if... Uh... You know, you look at it, a, a couple of people, and Jacob Goldstein's another great follow on Twitter. For anyone listening who's who's not following Jacob E. Goldstein, um, does a lot of stat work and mm-hmm. and and released some uh, some pretty cool stats the other day on on Dantic's ACB uh, defensive box plus minus and and offensive and and total, and um, particularly in that league, he was uh, very very good. Uh, not so good in the in the Euro League, but. Um, yeah, I think the problem with the Dontich conversation, at least that I have, is that his defense is discussed mainly as a you know primary initiator stopper yep. or, or you know point guard to be more traditional, and it's just not where he's going to play in the NBA. It's it's pure and simple. So, I mean, I understand people having a problem with him being. Well, I, I don't understand. It's it's hard for me to understand, but I I get people's point of view that. Um, you know, if he's playing point guard on offense, then he should be guarding points as well, um, you know, as much as that might be a, a bit of an old school mentality. But, um, you know, it's it's just not
0: he, he's not going to guard point guards.
1: He's not going to guard point guards.
0: Exactly. And, he, <laughs> and he's shown that he's to. very good
1: at, <laughs> at not guarding point guards and, and instead guarding, you know, threes and sometimes fours. Um, I'm going
0: to tell you right now, this might be this might sound like a hot take, but we just got done watching uh, Houston Golden State. Game Game Five and PJ Tucker is mm-hmm. playing center for you know a lot of the game. There's a better chance Luka Doncic plays small ball center than there is that he guards ones. <laughs> I would agree with that. I don't know if I'd want to see him there, but it's not going like to happen. But <laughs> there's a better chance of it happening. Yeah, and
1: I, you know, there's even in in some of the recent games from Doncic in the Final Four. You know, he's he's a willing help defender at at the four. Um, and he'll, he'll come across and try and block shots. You know, there was yep. that one play where he, I don't know if he quite got a piece of it, but he definitely missed made, uh, you know, force the dunk miss, um, and, and took it down for that kind of dagger, um, pull up. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah, no, that's I the think kind he's,
0: of... he's going to play the four a decent amount in the NBA, I think.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, that, that just rolls into my argument for him as, you know, you may start Jackson Booker and, and Don at point guard through small forward, but, um, you know, I think, Coleswick made made another great point um, on a pod that I, I listened to the other day is like when you when it gets to rolling out your best lineups to win games um, he's going to be at the four yep. and you, you, you're hopefully going to have a dominant five next to him um, it's kind of as much as I, I don't believe the reports it's you know, if if they are favoring Doncic, I can certainly see why they'd be willing to give max money to someone like Clint Capella. Yep. because um, he kinda of fixes a lot of those, you know, those issues. And people say um, things
0: like what if, what if a team employs a big bruising power forward and and you know, just starts punishing Doncic? Well, you know, okay, how are you gonna guard <laughs> Booker, Doncic, and Josh Jackson if you have a, a center and a big bruising power forward on the floor? There's just no chance.
1: Exactly, and and not to keep kind of you know plugging things that I've put on Twitter, but that was kind of the end of my big uh, Igor thread. Was you you roll those three guys out. Uh, you make sure that they're all adept at, at running the offense and, and mm-hmm. running certain plays that that suit their skills, and you just make teams pick their poison. So they they may shut down one or find a good matchup for one. So then you just start running the offense through one of the others. And you know the simple fact is that if they're if the other team's playing a more traditional lineup, um, you know a, a point guard or a f- traditional four man is going to be on one of those three guys, and you're going to be able to you know against most teams. Exploit one of those matchups. So, um, yeah, good luck. You know, you you can argue, you know, until we um, you know, over it in a month's time about how it's going to fit on defense f- for the Suns. But you know, my big thing is, you know, how the hell are other teams going to stop that?
0: Yep, that's exactly how I look at it. Okay, that's enough raving about Luka Doncic. Let's go to you for number two. Your Sacramento. Who are you taking? Uh, I'm going to go Aiton.
1: Um, I think. You know, we don't really need to discuss him at length because we probably already did. Um, some of that was Sun specific, but more his game in general. Um, if I'm Sacramento, I've taken Willie Cauley-Stein recently. didn't quite work out, even though I think he's probably still, you know, got a future in the NBA. Um, been enamored with guards recently. Uh, lost Boogie Cousins, of course. Um, I just, I can't see them passing eight and up, whether I agree with it or not from a, um you know best player available standpoint it's kind of tough with sacramento um you know i if it was my big board i I'd, I'd be picking jackson um it's not a you know it's it's not a great fit with sacramento even though you shouldn't be too concerned with fit at the top of the board but um, i just think with what their priorities are what they've been trying to do um you know very similar to the sun sick of winning uh, i just i just cannot see them passing up on Ayton to be honest.
0: I agree with you. Uh, they would take Ayton, I think, if if, if the Suns say Doncic. Uh, one one thing that really excites me about the the fit on Sacramento is I, I mean I can't I'm I've been trying to think about it. I cannot think of an NBA history of a pick and roll that would be more athletic and quick and fun than De'Aaron Fox and DeAndre Ayton. I mean that would just be ridiculous.
1: Yep. I agree. Um and you know, a lot of the, the positives that I can see on, on Ayton um diving and, and rolling with you know, whether it's you know, Booker or Jackson or, or, or a more traditional point guard, um you can definitely see it yeah Sacramento. Um and you also you, know, you
0: wanna see uh, you wanna see Ayton play with smart guards and I think that you know, assuming Fox pans out, which I still think you will, I really like the Aaron Fox, playing with, with uh Fox and Bog and Bogdan Bogdanovich would be awesome.
1: Definitely, um, yeah. Surround those two guys. You know, Fox isn't a great shooter. Uh, who knows about Aiton as a, as a, you know, big shooter in the NBA? But um, you know, yeah. Surround that pick and roll with with shooters, and and you might have something.
0: Yep. And and then just one more point on fit. Like you said, I, I don't care that they have centers. I don't care that they drafted Harry Giles or they have Willie Cauley Stein. When you're thinking about, when you're talking about somebody like DeAndre Aiton, none of that matters.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it and it shouldn't matter at pick two in the
0: in the NBA draft. Nope. Not at all. Okay. Any more on eight and at and second minute, or should I go on to Atlanta? I think we should keep moving. Okay. Uh, so I think Atlanta is going to take Bagley, but I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I think that the guy that I'm going to pick is, is very much in, the, in consideration there. And that's Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, I have number two on my personal board. I know a lot of people are scared that he didn't play a ton in college because of foul trouble. He looked pretty raw but when I watch that guy play defensively I don't think he's very raw at all other than the fouling his instincts are 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 ridiculous that's the guy who can make split second decisions on defense he rotates so quickly he looks like he's been in the NBA for six years and some of that stuff yeah
1: completely multi-dimensional when it comes to playing defense I think and um you know I've seen a couple of Suns fans um you know, link his high foul rate to, to someone like Marquise Chris um, and and then how how it might project. But I think it's a bit of a nitpick in, in that, you know, Marquise Chris fouled a lot
0: in college and didn't play defense. Yeah, um, well, also Marquise Chris fouled because he was, you know, out of position or, or doing dumb things. Exactly. Aaron Jackson's fouls are just over aggression or, you know, he's in the right spots. He's just, you know, he's just fouling people. Exactly. Uh, and a little bit on Atlanta's roster. I, I don't view them as having anybody you draft around really. They have you know two decent prospects. of John Collins, sort of a six ten power forward, nice motor. Uh, I think I should think that fit would be great with Jaron Jackson. Uh, other guy, Torian Prince. Suns fans may remember him as the guy who was flying around, dribbling the ball, handling it. As a six foot seven ish guy dominating us in that, that late season game. I, I've um, got to say, I
1: I love Prince. He's yeah, I like guy. Prince a lot
0: too. Uh, the nice thing with Jared Jackson, too, is even though you're not drafting for fit here, he fits very well with those guys.
1: Definitely. And, uh, you know, who knows what kind of new-look team they're going to be under their new coach. Um, I, I don't know a, a hell of a lot about their new coach. but um, Lloyd
0: Pierce, right? The guy he was assistant Lloyd, yeah. assistant?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the most I know about him is he kind of, you know, helped develop LeBron. It's kind of... <laughs> the, yeah. The mo- He didn't come into any of my calculations when I was looking at Suns coaches, but... Um, Not to say that he's you know not a great coach, but yeah, I think you're you're perfectly right. They don't have anyone to um, you know build around. There's Schroeder as well, obviously on the team whose future's a little bit up in the air. But you're probably not in a position. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you're not really in the right position at three to be uh, you know drafting a, a Schroeder replacement so um, yeah I, I can live with that I, I don't I don't love the fit of Jackson and Collins but again you you know you see what can hmm. kind of
0: happen with that expand and, on um, that why don't why don't you love that
1: fit I uh, just you know it too, it's you know it's two raw athletic guys um, that you know I, I essentially see play the same position you know they're both fives in my opinion. Okay. Um, I think Collins, um, is is best in the NBA as a five, and I definitely see Jackson as a five. Um, but you know, I I'd, I'd love to see it. You you so, never know with these things.
0: So the reason, yeah. So I hear you on that. I do think they both are natural fives in in a lot of ways, but they're both pretty versatile, especially Jackson. So one of the reasons why I like Jackson so much is, I really think that guy's the best bet to shoot out of any of the bigs. He shot forty percent from three in college, eighty percent from the line. So I think on offense you could have him in the floor while you have Collins sort of doing the you know the, the dive man duties.
1: Yeah, and we've definitely seen Jackson take some guys off the dribble for some strong yep, moves, yep. and you can have um, closeouts. Yeah, so yeah, maybe a, you know I'm 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 probably being a, a little bit. Si- too simplistic with that, and, and, and doing what I kind of you know accuse others of doing in the kind of dauntage debate. So, uh, as I said, I'd love to see it. I'm I'd, I'd be a, a little bit skeptical at this stage, but um, I'm I'm totally fine with the pick. And if it doesn't work out, and and Jackson's as great as what we you know think he'll be, then you just move Collins. It's it's not a yep. big deal.
0: Yep. And one last point I'll make on why I like JJJ to Atlanta so much is that, you know, Atlanta is one of those teams that's in the very beginning stages of its rebuild. This is like year, they're going to be entering year two of a rebuild. Mm -hmm. This is their first chance to draft somebody with a a really high pedigree. So the fact that if, you know, if, if Jackson's as raw as some people think he is, that's fine for Atlanta. They don't mind sucking for a couple more years. They can develop yep. him. They they have they can have patience with him. So I I love the fit. I think that's I, I actually think there's a chance they they actually do that on draft night. But we'll see. Yeah, I think I
1: think it makes a lot of sense from a, a yeah, as you say kind of team construction standpoint and, and where they are in you know their timeline so to speak.
0: Cool. All right, let's do uh, let's do number four, Memphis. Who we got? Uh, this one's tough. Um,
1: mainly because Memphis is tough. You know they're in a they're in a weird position. You know. They are. Kind of want to you want to blow them up, um, but you've kind of got to understand the you know the ownership structure there and and small market team. I don't know if they're necessarily in a position to, and they're probably going to be stuck with um, you know at least Chandler Parsons' contract. Don't know if you're going to get a hell of a lot for Marcus' soul's
0: contract at this stage. I wouldn't trade for him. He was bad last year.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't think there's many that would. Um, And, you know, Conley's a a whole nother beast as well, with, you know, all his health problems, too. So it's a tough position. For me, looking at who's kind of there, you've got um, Bumba, you've got Bagley, you've got Porter Jr. Uh, Carter would be a, you know, a safe bet, for lack of a better term. Um, But I'm probably going to go with Bagley. Um, I like the fit currently, I like the fit with Gasol. Um, particularly to, to start with. I mean, I'm, I'm sure people probably argue that, you know, Bagley might project to be more of a, a five going forward in, in best lineups. But, um, you know, I, I kind of just see Bagley as a, you know, proves both sides right, if that makes sense. So um, if they do tend to bottom out, you know, Bagley's the kind of guy that you could, you know, hopefully build around. Um, but you know he he should be able to slot in there straight away if if Memphis is kind of you know aiming for an eight eight seed playoff spot um, next season, which is kind of where I expect them to go.
0: Yeah, they're definitely going to try to win now, and uh, I I, I would have taken Bagley too. I think that's the almost an obvious pick. I think Memphis pretty much runs to the podium if he's available there, because there's there's a lot of upside there for the future, but also given his motor and his athleticism, that guy is going to be helping right away. And they're going to they're going to be very attracted to that. I think.
1: Exactly. I think you look at Memphis in the last couple of seasons, they've really, you know, ever since they lost or, or went away from Zebo basically, they've they've really kind of tinkered with trying to find the right foreman. Um, you know, you got Jermichael Green um, and they've ro- rotated a few others through there from, you know, you know, a couple of D-league guys and such. So they've really been looking for that guy to play next to Mark and, um, you know, with how Gasol stepped out you know, in recent times, um you know, you, and and his passing ability too, you kind of could create a, a nice little one-two combo there with uh, Bagley having all the space he needs inside and, um, you know, someone like Mark looking after him on the defensive end.
0: Yep, I totally agree. Uh, do, you want, do you have anything more to say about Bagley to Memphis? Or I, I kind of want to, we forgot to talk about Jackson and Bagley as fit in Phoenix. So I think we should do that a little bit uh, before we go on. Yeah, I'm,
1: I, I'm happy to kind of, touch back on that um I don't love Bagley and Phoenix I I don't love Bagley as as a prospect you know hugely to be honest he may struggle to be in my top five um but I think a lot of the things we mentioned on Jackson for sure is you know why he's number two on my board overall and and would definitely be number two on my board for Phoenix if I was picking and, and making that number one pick
0: yeah, you Phoenix needs passing and shooting and, or, and and defense. Sorry, defense and shooting. The passing is not so great with, with Jaron Jackson. It's fine. He has some awareness in passing, but he's not an elite passer by any means. But he is projecting to be an elite defender and, and a pretty pretty good shooter. So those are those are skills that the Suns desperately need. Uh, Bagley, I, I like Bagley more than you do. He's pretty solidly in my top five at this point. But okay. I, I do agree that for Phoenix, it's it's not a great fit. I mean, you're you're probably you're almost certainly squeezing out either Chris or Bender, which neither one's shown enough where you draft around them. But at the same time, you're you don't really you're not trying to, to get rid of those guys. You know, you'd like to. See yeah, I've really I've really
1: tried to. Um to stop myself from yeah making those same mistakes in terms of roster construction and stuff, And as I keep saying you know, on behalf of other teams, as as we've been going along already, it's like you don't pick this high in the draft around what you've currently got unless you you know pretty sold that that guy is you know your future starter in that position, and um, it definitely can't be said about Chris or Bendo at, at the positions that they play for the Suns, um, and you know I'm probably a little bit harsh on Bagley, just as I was, um, with Aiton early on, to be perfectly honest, Mm -hmm. uh, in that, you know, if I'm drafting a five these days, I, I want a defensive, um, you know, game changer. And, and as I said, I'm, I'm totally willing to admit that that's potentially a little bit unfair on these guys. And maybe I need to go back and, and, um, you know, give Bagley a bit more of a look in, but, you know, now that we're essentially, if we're talking sons, um, you know, looking at in pretty much a two-horse race. You know, I've gone back yep. and, and and dove in on Aiton, but, um, you know, probably unlikely to to go that far with Bagley. Although, you just never know with the Suns. Maybe he's he's right there.
0: Yeah, I could see it, and I could also see them trading down and taking somebody like Bagley, if that's who they love. Uh, McDonough is not afraid to do things like that. Okay, I'm going to go on to number five. This is Dallas. Um... The only guy I'm really considering when I'm drafting for Dallas is Dennis Smith jr. Uh, he wasn't awesome as rookie year by any means, but he showed the, you know, the athleticism that everybody loved. Uh, he's dynamic. I think that he's definitely someone you, I don't think you take Trey young here for example, because that'd just be the worst fit. And I I think you do have to sort of consider Dennis Smith here.
1: Yeah, that would be, that would be a bit of a nightmare.
0: Yeah. I just don't see why they would do that. I I think the, that the most natural fit here is Bamba. Uh, One thing that Dennis Smith Jr. is really bad at is defense. (laughs) He's going to not guard anybody. Yeah. Bamba is will cover up for that. He projects to be probably the best rim protector in this class, maybe besides Jaron Jackson. Uh, But that you know, he measured seven ten with a seven ten wingspan at the combine. He can touch the rim on his tiptoes. I mean, this this guy's a defensive freak. Greatest Um, wingspan ever. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I think you know. He didn't shoot very well in college. I think he was like 28% from three. Uh, you know, there's workout videos come out recently of him draining threes. So we'll see. He's working with Chip is the guy's name, right? No, Drew Henlon. Yeah. Drew Henlon.
1: Drew Henlon. Yeah. They're, and they're,
0: then, yeah. They're killing
1: killing the draft narrative, as I like to say. You know, they're just... Uh, yes, they are, aren't they? Really playing that game. You know, Well, that's if one
0: thing. Ba- that. Bamba is just an incredible interview.
1: He's he's a great interview, uh, really smart guy, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's you know had a hand in a lot of this. Didn't have a great college season, but you know you, you look around and um, you read stories, and, and the two main things that you see about Bumber at the moment are uh, you know stories in in the Ben Simmons mold of not uh, enjoying his time at college and wishing he was able to go straight from high school to the NBA and working on his shot and you know that's that's controlling the narrative that's that's smart at this time of the year because um you know that caused you know people like us to you know, essentially um, you know dismiss a lot of his college play just on you know those kind of two leaks
0: yep definitely i mean i know i have been and, and, you know it's not just those two leaks to me he's been, i mean bomba's one of those guys who was on the record from from very early on you know, stating that he resents having to play in the NCAA yeah. I, I, I think there's a lot of Ben Simmons ishness to this situation. I think you know Ben Simmons didn't play defense in college, didn't care. And yeah. as soon as he got to the NBA, he's been he was, you know, arguably the second team all defensive guy. Uh I think Bomba's the same way. I think we're gonna see a, a much better Bamba in the NBA than we saw in college.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think you know just touching on Simmons is you know, before his college career there was um you know, articles and, and pieces written about him, about him competing with the likes of Harden and LeBron at, at Nike camps um, mm-hmm. and and holding his own as a 17-year-old. Did you, say Nike? Sudden... Did you say Nike camps? <laughs> yes. Sorry. Sorry for the accent. Nike. Nike camps. Um, I love it. So, yeah, like he was, he was a 17-year-old guy, like competing with these guys at the, you know, in the prime of their careers and then uh, goes to college and then, you know, a couple of bad articles uh, here and there written about him, and then all of a sudden, everyone thinks he's going to be a defensive nightmare. And you know, we've seen what he's done. The only uh, difference that I would say with with between him and Bamba is, you know, other than Bamba being a you know complete freak of an athlete, um, I've actually spent the last kind of week or so watching a lot of stuff in relation to Ayton where, you know, Bumba pops up quite a bit, whether it's their kind of high school game against each other or or um, you know, one on one workouts prior to when they went to college. And um Bumba really struggles to guard Aiton in those one on one situations, which, you know, says a lot about Ayton's offensive game, but um, you know, it also said a lot about Bumba. So uh, I, I'm fine with Bumba as a um you know weak side protector. Uh, to a lesser extent, I've you know have kind of excited about him as a kind of pick and roll contain guy, but um, yeah, unless he can really put on some size and put it on quickly, he may struggle uh, underneath the basket.
0: Yep, I agree, and I'm also I'm I'm pretty nervous against him going against a team like Houston that you know really sells at putting guys in isolation situations. Uh, if that guy's out in an island against James Harden, that's that's scary that's scary to me. Yeah, it's scary for a lot of people. True. Sure, um, yeah. To be fair, that's that's most people. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I mean, yeah, I mean, we've seen it with Clint Capella. He's, uh, I'm still here at the box score now. He played 26 minutes again tonight, but yeah, not the, not the kind of series for big men. That's for sure.
0: Yep, I agree with you there. Uh, just real quickly, Bombers fit in the Suns. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, they need defense. He would provide defense. <laughs> Uh, he fits pretty well with uh, Bender and Chris too, because I think he's just you know he, he would blot out the sun and, and kind of give those guys a little bit of cover on defense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, they won't take him, but he would fit well. All right, uh, let's go on to number six, Orlando. Uh, uh,
1: again, I'm in a tough position. Um, I agree with you on Bumber. I had him. I had him matched up with Dallas at five two. Um, this one's really tough for me in that it's it's a really good discussion on fit and. You know, best player available. You've got Carter there, you've got Young there, you've got the Bridges. Um, And then you've got the guy that I'm looking at, which is Porter Jr. Um, I think I'm going to go with Porter Jr., which is tough because you've got Aaron Gordon, restricted free agent. Um, You know, some people might disagree with this, but, you know, I see a lot of Porter Jr. and, and Aaron Gordon being similar type players. I think Porter Jr. Measured out, you know, around six ten, I think at the combine, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think he can be a, you know, small ball five, four, quite athletic. Um, questionable on his handle, I think, um, and, and and I'm probably a little bit more questionable on his shooting than than people that are a little bit higher than on Porter Jr. than I am. But just looking at who's left, you know, I really see this as kind of a and top eight type draft, um, and Porter Jr. is probably too hard to ignore there for Orlando.
0: So, first of all, I, I love the pick. I think it's a great pick. Uh, as most people know, Michael Porter Jr. was a potential you know, number one pick uh, coming into his college season before he had the back injury. Uh, the offensive upside is just enormous. His shooting ability at his size uh, would be a mismatch against any team. Uh, you bring up Aaron Gordon. I think there's a pretty good chance Orlando moves moves uh, on from Aaron Gordon anyway. You know, yeah. John Hammond didn't draft him. That's true. Uh, he didn't have it. a very good season. He didn't seem very happy to me. The, the whole team just had a funk to it. I could see them just wanting to, you know, just move on from kind of everything. So I think Michael Porter Jr. makes a lot of sense. Also, when's the last time they had someone on that team who's like, with the offensive potential of Michael Porter Jr. Uh, they have they have it's been forever. Um so I yeah, I love it. I love the pick. I think it's great.
1: Yeah, I think you've uh you know summed up my points a, a lot more concisely than probably what I did. I probably dragged on a little bit there, but um yeah, I think you make a great point in terms of Hammond and 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 Gordon not being his pick. Definitely didn't look happy. Um you know, it, it might be time for Orlando to to just move on from that and and Porter would be a great um you know, Plan B, so to speak. So, uh, I think that's pretty much where I sit. I guess just touching on Hammond, you know, I'd, I'd be tempted to take a guy like Trey Young because I'm quite high on him. But um, you just look at Hammond and his and his track record, and it's just so hard to see that he would pick a
0: guy like Trey Young this early in the draft. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I I, I think that if most most people uh, would most GMs around the league, if they were running Orlando, would take Trey Young for the star power. Potential superstar offensive upside, but he is, like, among the least likely GMs to do something like that, I think. Yeah. Uh, real quickly, Michael Porter Jr. in Phoenix. Uh, again, I think he projects best to the four, so it's it's a little dicey with uh, Chris and Bender, but I, I'm not drafting around those guys, no. and I'd be very—shooting is something we desperately need. I don't know if he can play defense or pass at all. Uh, we didn't get a chance to see that. He didn't do it at the lower levels, but yeah, the lower levels, they were kind of just letting him do whatever the hell he wanted. Uh, I think college would have been really interesting to see. We did unfortunately didn't get to see it. So, you know, there's a chance he's a great, he's a decent passer, decent defender, but we just really didn't get a chance to see it.
1: Yeah. I, and that's where I really struggle with, with evaluating him. Um, I think you and I have spoken before about, um, you know, watching high school film and, you know, watching him just beat up on, you know, five foot five white kids. And it's <laughs> exactly, pretty, yeah. it's pretty good to have a, you know, a nice outside shot when you're, uh, as soon as you kind of. Enter your shooting motion. There's just nothing between you and the rim. So he's he's kind of uh, you know running around cones, as we like to say down here in Australia when he was uh, play, <laughs> playing playing like high that. school. And um, yeah, I, I brought up a you know a guy from next year's class today on Twitter. Um, Zion, Zion, Zion. let you Lampson, say yep. it? Um, and yeah, you know, I I see that as as a very similar um, kind of high school arc. And you know, I, it was kind of just bringing that up as a point in terms of you know we will at least get to see Zion play college and um, you know evaluate him a little bit. I'm so
0: I'm him. so excited to watch him in college. I really am. I think he's going to be so fun. He's just a he's a bully, man. He is, yeah. And it'll be it'll be good to see if he can
1: kind of keep that upward trajectory because that's you know for me that's what we missed out on Porter Jr. and um, that's why he kind of left guessing a lot.
0: Yep, I know it's tough. Uh, I would love to have him in my, in my top three even, but I just, just can't do it. I just, I, I just don't know what I'm evaluating really you know. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's go on Chicago at seven. Uh, I, for some reason I don't it doesn't seem like they're that into this guy, uh, but you know it's all smoke screens this time of year so you don't really know. But I, I don't know why they wouldn't take Trey Young. Uh, they desperately need a perimeter offensive guy. Lori Markin showed a lot in offense last year. I think he's gonna be a, an awesome stretch big. But Chris Dunn, that guy's—he was a little better this year, but he's—he's he's not an offensive player. He's a defensive player, uh, and I think that I, I, first of all, I wouldn't draft around Chris Dunn. He hasn't shown enough. But I actually kind of like the fit with, with Trey Young and, and Chris Dunn because Trey Young can play off the ball. Oh, by the way, I, I say it wasn't clear. I'm, I'm taking Trey Young. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's an—I mean, everyone knows about the shooting. Uh, I think what gets a little lost is—is is his you know transformative passing. The guy has elite vision. Uh, he's an excellent passer. He can make every pass. He's short, which which is something that puts him a little bit behind someone like Doncic. He can't see over the defense, but the dude, his teammates were awful last year. He had terrible teammates, and he still led the NCAA in assists. I mean, the guy is a transcendent passer. Uh, I think he would immediately transform uh, Chicago's offense. Him and Lori would be an awesome duo on offense. Defense is a, a different story. Uh, they would probably give up 125 points a game, but it's something I think <laughs> you, you just have to figure that out later.
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, he, you, you've ruined my next pick, so that's that's my initial reaction. <laughs> Sorry, and, Cleveland and pro- fans. Probably would be what uh, Cleveland's initial reaction would be as well. But um, yeah, I think you make a lot of good points. I, I wish I could, you know, properly credit this to someone. I, I saw on Twitter that you know someone say just because Chicago have a lot of mediocre guards does not mean that you do not take Trey Young if he's there at seven yep. on the board. Um, I don't think they have anyone even close to someone that you you know wouldn't consider a point guard uh, at, at this position. And yeah, I agree. Fit with Chris Dunn. Don't forget, you've also got Zach Levine. Um, so you know they, it could be a, a Chicago that we're not used to seeing. Like ah, a, a, they're going to pay. They're going to
0: pay Zach Levine so much, aren't they? Oh,
1: a, a, an awful amount of money. <laughs> oh no, sorry. Um, ah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge Zach Levine fan, unfortunately. But um, yeah, the the roster's a little bit of a mess. Laurie was a great, great hit for them last year, and and, and a pretty good overall trade in the end. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, as I said, we, we might see Chicago going in a bit of a, a different direction that we're not used to seeing, and and be a kind of fast, you know, shooting focused, uh, you know, quite a, quite a young team. So yeah, I'd be excited by that pick if I was a Bulls fan.
0: Yep, so would I. Uh just real quickly touching on his fit in Phoenix uh off it's pretty simple. Offensively I love it. Defensively it would be terrifying because Devin yeah. Booker does not play defense and Trey Young mm-hmm. probably will not play defense. So, yeah, <laughs> that's really all there to say about that. You can you can take all
1: the uh, you know, Doncic heat on Defense and apply it straight to Trey Young, and it would actually make a hell of a lot more sense than what it does when you're talking about
0: Dontich. because he can only guard one, Trey Young, and he won't do it well. (laughs) Uh, Okay, let's uh, let's let's finish this off with Cleveland. Who do you got?
1: As I said, this is tough. Now I I definitely had Young slotted in there and was hoping that he would fall. Um, Yeah, it's probably a race in four. You've got the Bridges, you've got Carter, and and you've got uh, Smith. I would say is probably my next bet. Mm. Um, it's tough. I think you know everyone touches on Cleveland being in a in a really tough position here. I think the reason I liked young for them is kind of fits both whether LeBron stays or whether LeBron goes. Um, You take one of the bridges and the fit, obviously with LeBron is a a little bit suspect about you know particularly longer longer term if LeBron signs a you know long term extension there. so, yeah, I, I'm in a tough spot. Um,
0: Real quick, I, I think you have a good point there, is that so much of what you'd want to do here depends on whether LeBron stays or goes. And what's going to make this so hard for Cleveland is, you know judging by history, LeBron's not going to say whether he's going to stay or go. Yeah. He's going to keep everyone in the dark. They're going so, to have
1: absolutely no idea. No. Nope. Like, literally none. So you're, yep. you're making a total guess. Um yeah, I think you see with the trades, they've tried to you know straddle that line of giving him help um, at the trade deadline, but you know they didn't totally, um, you know they didn't get rid of this pick, for instance, for for short term right. help. So I think they've they've definitely got one eye on uh, you know life without LeBron.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but I, I still don't think it's enough to take one of the bridges. Uh, I'm interested in in a guy like Smith, and you know he's continuing to rise up people's boards, but. Yeah, I'm probably gonna go safe here mainly because I, I don't believe Carter deserves to slide past eight um, I do think he's the kind of guy that that may slide on draft night because he's just that um you know good all-round player not flashy doesn't yeah, he, do he's not excited right? yeah he's he's yeah. the slider which you know I'm kind of I'm, I'm ruining a bit of a, a question I've got for you later but you know if you pick one guy in this top ten who's who looks to slide um Yeah, I I think Carter's that guy. So, you know, I'm going to root for him a little bit here and I'm going to slot him in at eight to Cleveland. Uh, The fit is obviously, um, you know, somewhat suspect, but, you know, maybe LeBron goes and therefore you look to trade love as well for whatever you can get for him while he's still got, um, you know, some. Value on the market, I suppose. I think he'd uh, have
0: a decent amount of value. I think people are, are sleeping on him a little bit.
1: Yeah. So yeah, you you slot Carter in there as a kind of four five. Um, I really like his, um, you know his passing game. Uh, I kind of looked at him a bit early on as um, you know as a Bender type replacement. I think he would do a lot of things that uh, you know I hope Bender eventually does for the Suns. And, and probably do them better straight away. To oh, be I totally agree honest. with you.
0: Uh, I think he's a better bet for sure to defend the rim than Bender is. Mm-hmm. Um, his passing, I agree with you. I think he's the best passer of the bigs. Uh, yeah, I'd he, agree with that. He's got a lot of vision there. His shooting looks pretty good. I think he shot 40% from three, right? A little over that maybe.
1: Yeah, I'd have to take a look. But it, yeah, he's definitely a, a plus there and something to work on.
0: Yep, so yeah, I, I like this pick. I think, it, I think it makes sense regardless of whether LeBron stays or goes, which is something that will be attractive to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people are kind of sleeping on his upside a little bit. The Al Horford's, the comparison you hear a lot, but I think there's a chance that he's more of a volume scorer than, than Al Horford is. Okay. Uh, because, just because I, it's, I, it's, Al Horford is just unique in the way he unselfishly plays the game. I, I think Wino Carter would just be a little more aggressive than he is in offense.
1: Yeah, I, I could see that.
0: Um, but I could also see him slotting in.
1: I, I think Al Horford's a great example in terms of um, you know, him being a, a, a good locker room guy and, and someone that will kind of play the role for the team. That, really um,
0: smart guy too, right? Didn't, didn't he get
1: recruited by yes. Harvard? Uh, I'm just gonna go with you on that one. I, I, I d- yeah, I I'm pretty know. sure
0: he was deciding. Someone, may correct me on this. I'm pretty sure his his decision was between Duke and Harvard. So okay, he's not an idiot. <laughs> he's
1: got that uh, that Jeremy Lin DNA.
0: Yeah, or uh, or Brandon Knight, right? Wasn't Brandon Knight recruited by Yale? I believe or Princeton so, or one of those
1: two. Definitely known for for being being smart. Um, just just not on the basketball court around the three
0: point <laughs> line. They, they, Brandon Knight, they gotta get that guy not shooting long twos next year. They just have to. I'm, you know, I, I I'm
1: an Igor Stan, <laughs> the biggest Igor fan out. Wait, there. Wait, really? The you like Igor? <laughs> just, just a little. Uh, I wasn't. <laughs> I was, you know, not too disappointed with that hire. Um, but you know, I, I just think that the way he teaches and and the principles that he keeps his guys to. Um, yeah, it, it'll go one of two ways for Knight this year once he's healthy, hopefully. Um, I, I really want to see him on the court. So, um, you know, he'll be at the end of the bench if he doesn't take that stuff out of his game because, you know, Igor will yank him. Or, you know, he'll he'll stay within the kind of rules of the team. And I think one of those things will be, you know, make sure those toes are behind the three-point line if you're going to shoot it.
0: Yep, totally agree. And I, I've... I've... I'm hopeful because it's everything I've heard from Brandon Knight has been very positive. He seems like it seems like this time off has really gotten him in a good place. So, and, yeah.
1: Again, it could have gone one or two ways I would have thought. He could have, you know, got really dark. Um, you know, guys struggle being out of the game for that long. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I would 100% agree he seemed to be in a in a worse place mentally before his injury, um uh, which is kind of ironic. Than what he seems to be now, and what we're seeing out of him, and you know, we're even seeing him, you know, say stuff that he just wants to come back and and contribute to the team, you know, however he can, which is miles away from, you know, the the preseason quotes of him not wanting to give up his starter's job and and, and kind of being jealous of totally. Of, of, of I think coming through. I think
0: uh, a big part of it was that it didn't make sense when Bledsoe and Booker were here. I think it's going to be a lot better with Bledsoe gone. Yeah, I, I I can agree with that. Okay, so before we finish this up, we're gonna turn to our last segment. It's gonna be a recurring segment. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead, and let you uh, introduce it, David, because you're gonna be asking the questions.
1: All right, that's uh, that's the seven seconds or less segment, I believe. Uh, we're gonna tie that in with the with the name of the pod, um, kind of just a a quick hitter uh, without notice. I haven't I haven't told Max. What I'm going to ask him, and um, other than the little clue before when I was talking about, I'm going in blind. You're going in blind, so you've got seven seconds or less to answer these three questions. And and as you said, we'll keep it as a as a regular thing to to end our pods. What happens
0: to me if I uh, if I go beyond seven seconds?
1: Uh, You you lose your your right to ask questions back at me next episode. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be on the timer. Okay. All right, so number one, I'm gonna keep it simple. First, first time doing this, so I'm not gonna stretch you too much. Uh, who is your biggest riser in the draft in a month's time?
0: Uh, does Isaiah Smith count, or has he already, already risen? I'm gonna disqualify him. Oh shoot. Okay. Uh, I think Kevin Herter. I think I think are they is gonna go uh, around like 15 or 16, and people are gonna be shocked by it because he's like a tall, lanky, white guy you can shoot. But he, that guy's great. He's going to go in the top 15.
1: I really, really like that. That's, that's a great pick. And, and shout out to Rich on Twitter. Yeah,
0: Rich like that. Find the shooter!
1: <laughs> uh, so number two, go on the opposite. Biggest faller. And and we're, we're going to disqualify Carter because of what we already spoke about as well.
0: I'm going to say Miles Bridges and teams are going to look stupid for doing it.
1: Okay, I can see that. That's, that's a good pick. Um...
0: He shouldn't have gone back to college. No, that was a big mistake. Not, him and uh, Robert Williams, neither of those guys should have done that.
1: All right. Uh, over to three. You keep into the time limit so far, which is good. I'm trying. Uh, I'm going to get it's two parter because I, I kind of need to know something off you first. And uh, it, it's a little left to center, but you got to go with me here, okay? Okay. So, first question Who do you like more out of John Collins and
0: Torian Prince? Torian Prince, mainly because of the position that they, that they play.
1: Okay, I like it. That's kind of how I frame the question, so that's good. So draft night comes, Mm -hmm. Phoenix are on the clock, Atlanta calls. They're offering three, 19 and Prince, and they want one and 16 off Phoenix. And you're in tell. You're pretty set on the fact that Aiton and Dontich will go one and two. What do you say?
0: Uh, no, so the answer is no for sure. Um, I, I was I thought you were going to say if your intel says that Doncic doesn't want to go to those teams, you think you get him at three. But no, if, if Doncic is not available, then no, there's no way I'm doing that. Okay,
1: I, I can see that. Uh, I thought it might tempt you. You're kind of obviously trading back in both positions, but and you know getting prince as, as the prize and then you know maybe taking a guy like Jackson which I like
0: yeah I like prince he's fine I don't I don't see him as like a blue chip prospect or someone that you know you're really excited about and I'm not passing on the opportunity to get my favorite prospect in in years for him so that's that's where <laughs> I'm at on that That's fair I'll take it Cool all right well that's it for the show everybody uh thanks for listening please if you if you like what you hear want to help us get off the ground uh help a lot if you can rate review and subscribe to us on iTunes Uh, Again, you can follow me on Twitter at MaxMCC11. You can follow David at The Four Point Play. That's a Roman numeral four. David's a classy gent.
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, David. Thanks very much, and uh, thanks for anyone that tuned in. Really appreciate it. Cool. Until next time.